What number is this, Chip? Episode 33, Ghosty's 2015 Monkey Spectacular, Part 2. Okay, no, I mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. I know. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. And now it's time for Zilch. Welcome to your Monkeys Podcast. This is Ghosty, host of the Vintage Rock and Pop Shop on 89.1 WFDU-FM in the New York City, New Jersey area. And we are continuing on with our Monkeys Spectacular. Just to briefly sum up, on May 3rd of 2015, we had our second annual Monkey Spectacular where we devote three hours to nothing but monkey talk and monkey discussion. We had five guests on the program. In part one, we heard three of them. In this, part two, we're going to hear the remaining two guests, which are Monkeys Convention co-organizer and Flower Power Cruise organizer, Jody Ritson, and uh, some guy named Ken. I do, who knows? But anyway, you, you'll be hearing from him in just a bit as we discuss uh, the Monkeys Instant Replay album, an underrated album in their catalog, in, in my opinion, anyway which counts for everything. Well, as an extra added bonus on this episode, we're going to play the interview I had with Mickey Dolans back on our very first Monkey's Spectacular in 2014. All right, so enough with the introductory patter, and let's get on with the show. Hi, it's Annabelle Jones. Help us carry on our father's legacy by becoming a member of the DJMF today and caring for the horses that he loves so dearly. So you can learn more about the DJMF at www.djemf.com. If you want to learn more about Written in Our Hearts, you can visit them on Facebook. And if you'd like to purchase the book, it's available on Amazon. To help take care of Davy Jones's herd, and to find out more information on the Davy Jones Equine Memorial Foundation, go to www.djemf.com. Hi, this is Talia Jones. And this is Sarah Jones. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to Zilch, the Monkeys, a Monkeys Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> is out of tune and I feel like I'm growing old much too soon my love for you I just couldn't convey and the keys to my happiness I let slip And my heart cannot feel 
Just heard A Man Without a Dream from the Monkees' 1969 album Instant Replay, which happens to be the album we're going to be discussing this hour with Monkees podcaster, expert, and poet laureate of all things Raybert, Ken Mills, who I also consider a friend. Ken, I'll just set the scene here. I bought this record uh, sometime in the late 80s, early 90s, after the Monkees catalog had all come out on Rhino. I bought it on cassette, and until that time, I had only had Greatest Hits records. Right. And I thought one day, I'm in the mood for the Monkees. Uh, maybe I'll go to a store and see if they have some used Monkees cassettes, and there it was, instant replay. The, the fact that Peter wasn't on the cover didn't even register with me. I just knew it was a Monkees album. I'd never heard a full album all the way through. So I picked it up and uh, put it in my car, and I was driving around. And considering at least half of the tracks on here are leftovers from previous albums, this is almost like the Monkees sampler platter. And I thought to myself, boy, if the rest of their studio albums are as good as this one, I need to go collect them all, which eventually I did. So Instant Replay was sort of my gateway monkey's drug. Uh, Ken, what's your story with this album? Well, it's kind of uh, totally the opposite of what you went through. Mm -hmm. I actually went through a thing where I kind of refused to listen to the album. I never really <laughs> listened to it properly. I never really gave it its due because Peter Tork was not part of it. Right. So I didn't really want to take part in it. And uh, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> because it went from being an album that I did not value at all to becoming one of my favorites. Mm. You know, there's a theory out there in monkeydom that uh, Mike Nesmith and Peter Tork were engaged in a musical power struggle. And once Peter was out of the band, this was going to give Mike free reign to lord over the group and make them record uh, his material primarily. And that theory is not borne out on this record or the album after it, Monkeys Present. No, absolutely not. I think that what it was is that Peter Tork had this idea that they finally became a band. Why are we going backwards? Right. And Mike did not want to go backwards. Mike Mike wanted to go a different direction, but he also didn't want to be shackled to the myth of what a band was. Right. I, I know that we all saw the monkeys on TV, and we all saw the Beatles and Help where they all lived in one house with different doors and one big room. But that's not reality. And the same goes in the recording studio. When you think about what the monkeys were and became, they were more like the Beatles were around the White Album time. Whereas you had 
four solo albums being made and putting it out as one thing. Right. And Peter Tork didn't really want to do that. And he was kind of languishing in a way in his attempts. He was getting lost in his studio work. As a matter of fact, he wasn't the only one. I think Mickey's kind of lost in the studio. Yeah, on yeah. This one. Um, uh, Mickey steps into some weird stuff on this album. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, Shorty Blackwell <laughs> might be one of the weirdest songs in the entire catalog. Whether you love it or hate it, it is one of the most bizarre tracks that you will hear. But uh, it's weird when you look at when this album is claimed to have been recorded. It's from July 1966 to January 69. Yeah. That's a <laughs> <laughs> and it was released uh, February 15th, 1969. So from January to the 15th of February, boy, they chucked that thing right out there. Right. It's interesting that the monkey who comes off the strongest here, or has the most material, just in terms of vocals, is Davey. He seems to be the dominant presence on this album. Well, you know, the weird thing is is that you kind of write Davey off in a way. Because, oh, he's going to sing the cute, you know, song like Tally Ho and all that, you know, that <laughs> sort of, the, you know, the, the British guy, you know, he's going to do his shtick. Well, Davey steps up. And he does some amazing stuff, and to me, he writes one of the most amazing analytical songs yep. of the whole pop, rock star, pop star uh, phenomena in the song You and I, which was written by Bill Chadwick and David Jones. And Neil Young plays guitar on that track. Yeah. But the lyrics are about how fickle teen stardom is, and he literally says, we're going to be replaced. Yeah. And for a band that was, you know, prefabricated or prefab for, you know, with no philosophies, he's really laying it on the line and saying, look, our, our time is almost up. Just a great song, one of Davey's best. And I think Mike steps up to the plate, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And whereas he flirted with country... He really hits yeah. it on Don't Wait For Me. <laughs> yeah, he sure does. That song is flat-out country. There's there's no pretense, there's no possibility of that being a rock tune in any way. Whereas like Papa Jean's Blues or Sunny Girlfriend had some sort of, you know... Pop sensibility, yeah. Yeah. This, this is straight-up country. What's strange, though, is weren't they on the Johnny Cash show around this time? Yes. And they, they sang Nine Times Blue, which is another incredible cut. Uh, incredible. They, they, they went on to and promoted that song, which is not on this album. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Kind of weird. It's almost like the monkeys themselves, because they're so scattered, you know, one's working in this studio, one's in the other, that they don't even realize what's coming out. And we should mention, just for the benefit of the audience that might not know the context, this is the album that comes out after Head. And if you want to, you know, go even further, forget Head. This came out after 33 and a third. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I'm look, I love the Monkees. I do the Monkees podcast. I love the Monkees, but that show is a tough sell. Do yeah. you think that Head is something <laughs> that it's hard to experience? I think that out of an hour-long show that ran on air, yeah. if you take the commercials out, you could probably get a get a good solid 10 minutes worth of material <laughs> and that's being kind. kind all right 
So yeah, let's let's move on and uh, start going through the tracks here. We open with uh, a Boyce and Hart number, one of several on this album. This album's like the return of Boyce and Hart to the Monkees family. Through the Looking Glass, which is, uh, you know, sort of a cute psychedelic uh, number, maybe in the vein of something like uh, Your Mother Should Know. or Yes, and funny you mention that. We'll get to that song later. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but I like how it starts off. It's got a little trumpet kind of thing it, it's and with a keyboard, and it's, it's almost announcing the album's arrival. Yeah. You know, here we go through the Looking Glass. And we go through that looking glass into another Boyce and Hart song. This one, Don't Listen to Linda, featuring Davey on lead vocals. You know, it's kind of weird because Boyce and Hart went through a little roller coaster ride with the monkeys. Yeah. When you think about it, when uh, Schneider and Rafelson hired them, they said, okay, you guys are the guys who are going to do the music. Enter Donnie Kirshner. You guys are out now. Yeah. And he listens to them and says, okay, you're back on. And then it came to the point where the headquarters revolution happened. Okay, you guys are gone now. Right. <laughs> then it came time to do this, and guess what? You're back with the monkeys. And they just kept bouncing in and out of the monkeys' consciousness and story, if you will. Yeah, and, and this was a song that was uh, initially cut in 1967, and then mm-hmm. again in 1968, and eventually released on this right. album. Now, this <laughs> is one of the songs that when I said that, you know, you, you kind of knew what what to expect from Davy Jones, this is one of those songs. Right. So it kind of falls flat for me. Out of all the songs on this album, this is the one that kind of falls flat. But, you know, the original version is almost more of a Davy Jones. Uh, yes. You know, the original take is down, listen to Linda. <laughs> exactly. This exactly. one's more, it's it's slowed down, it's it's a little more lush. You know, I, I like it. I I, I don't uh-huh. pass it by. But the the song that's up next is one of my all time favorite monkeys recordings ever. Mine too. Now, and I it's, never it's, would have thought, but my God, what a great song! I was uh, going through a terrible, terrible breakup when I first got this record, and I I heard this song, and it's a Goffin and King song called "I Won't Be the Same Without Her." This song has a really good groove to it. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's got a funkiness to it, and I love it. Ken Mills, host of the Zilch podcast, is our guest this hour as we talk about the Instant Replay record. And, uh, Ken, up next, we have a Mickey song, Just a Game. This, well, I mean, it's pleasant, you know. This just seems very experimental to me. Yeah, but that I think a lot of Mickey stuff at this point is him experimenting in the studio. You know, this is after he had seen, you know, met the Beatles and been in uh, Abbey Road with the guys. And, and I think he was really trying to become everything that you read about in the teen mags, you know, that they were pop stars. I think Mickey really wanted to stretch and see what he could do as Davey did. And yeah. Mike, you know, and Peter. You know, Peter got lost uh, recording... 10,000 different versions of Ladies' Baby, so <laughs> yeah. God bless them. Uh, Just a Game goes back to the Headquarters album, so if you like the music on Headquarters, you might want to give Instant Replay another spin. Then we get to, I, we mentioned Your Mother Should Know, Yeah, uh, we get to Me Without You, which is essentially a Boyce and Hart rewrite, almost, mm-hmm. of Your Mother Should Know. But I love it, because nobody can sell these kind of songs like Davey. There's something genuine about it, maybe because, you know, he is that guy from England who would be just as home on the music hall stage as he would in front of a 
rock and roll crowd. Yeah, but even though it's Davy being a little bit cheeky, it's more grown up than like what we dealt with with the second track, Don't Listen to Linda. It's almost a little bit of an evolution towards what's to come. Then we get to the last track on side one, and it's the very first Mike Nesmith written song on the album, and it's certainly worth the wait. Ironically, it's called Don't Wait For Me, but you should, (laughs) (laughs) because it is worth the wait, and this is, in my mind, this is classic Nesmith. And it does not get any more country than this. Yeah. As my wife would say, green is grass. We're on side two of the album, and we've already talked about You and I, and that takes us to another beautiful ballad, courtesy of Mike Nesmith, called While I Cry. And this one is, well, similar to uh, Nine Times Blue, which is not on this record, and maybe that's why. Well, did you know that Davey also cut Nine Times Blue? Yes. That is, that, that is weird to hear that, you know, because that song, to me, seems so personal from Mike's story, from Mike's real life. And to have Davey sing it after all this time to hear it on that handmade set, it's it's just absolutely amazing. Yeah, we'll have to talk a little bit about that at the end of this. And uh, the next cut up is the first single from the record, Teardrop City. And that was one of the songs taken from the vault. And we, you mentioned Bobby Hart and Tommy Boyce's contributions. They're all over this album. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a few songs by them. And Teardrop City is one of them, and it sounds so much like... Uh, last Train to Clarksville, it's yeah. <laughs> kind of bizarre. And it's weird because they took that song and they sped it up around 9% from its r- original recording and they changed the song's key from G to A flat. And it became somewhat a hit for them. It reached number 34 in Australia and only 56 on the U.S. charts here. And actually the album only charted uh, at number 32 in the top 40 album charts, so... We should also mention that Teardrop City was previously available on the back of a cereal box. Yes. <laughs> prior to it being on this on this album. Could you imagine doing that now? You get an MP3 with the cereal box. It's just, it's not, it's not, cool. not the same. It's not, not the not same. As cool. But I could never when when I had those cereal box records. I, I, sometimes you'd put the the needle on depending on the weight of the, yeah. the arm of the needle. <laughs> And it would, like, actually hold the record in place, so you'd have to try to yes. figure out a way to get it to play. I have a couple of Bridget Bardot records. Well, we won't go into I'll that. I'll bet yeah. you do, <laughs> But uh, what do you think of this song as a single? I, I think it's a poor choice for a single. One, because it was kind of already a single on the back of a Cheerios box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I get the idea of why they did this because Head was considered so weird, uh, 33 and a third didn't do them any favors, and releasing this song is almost like saying, hey, there's still the monkeys you used to love. Doesn't right. this sound like Last Train to Clarksville? <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it's still those guys. It's a mistake. I, I think in the climate of 1969, there was really no place right. for a, a teardrop city. There is a performance of this, along with uh, a, a medley, of Monkey's songs on the Glenn Campbell Good Time Hour Yes, that you can find on YouTube. And it's interesting in that when the Monkeys start playing after uh, Glenn Campbell introduces them, and, and, and he takes the time to say how what a professional act they are. Well, he would know. He played on so many of their records. <laughs> exactly. But it's weird when you watch Ed Sullivan 
and all the hosts of the day, they would always stress that these are really good kids, folks. They're really professional. Yeah. They're really well-groomed <laughs> and nice, and they showed up on time, and they're punctual. They don't right. spit. They don't chew their gum with their mouths open. But anyway, he goes he goes to great pains to say what a professional act they are. And, uh, and then he introduces them, and then the band plays live. Davey right. on bass, Mike on guitar and Mickey on drums, and they do a medley of monkey songs. Salesman and Last Train of Clarksville. But then when it comes time to perform Teardrop City, they lip-sync to it. Right. <laughs> and Mickey goofs around like he always did. Yeah. Letting you know that he knows that he's lip-synced. Yeah. I wonder what the decision was for that. They just... Well, I kind of wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that you had to... Uh, Speed yourself up nine percent. Oh yeah, maybe. G to an A flat. Yeah. The girl I left behind me once again. Davy Jones on lead vocals, and he he dominates this record on lead vocals. Absolutely, and this song's written by Carol Beresager and Neil Sedaka. Yeah. And again, another kind of uh, uh, like I could almost hear Sinatra singing this song because lyrically, it's about a guy looking back at the girl he left behind in his quest for his life. And yeah. it's kind of sad. And speaking of hearing Sinatra sing a song, mm-hmm. uh, the next cut, A Man Without a Dream, which we played at the uh, very beginning of this hour, and that was going out to Scott, who requested that over on our Facebook page. Look for the vintage rock and pop shop, like it, live it, love it. Another example of what I guess Davy would call Broadway rock, great song, and then we move on to our final song on this album, and I'll just say this up front. Uh, I am not a fan of of Shorty Blackwell. Um, I I don't hate it. I appreciate it for the experiment that it is. I like it when bands step out of their wheelhouse. There was such a weirdness in the musical climate and that people were really trying to find different voices and new ways of doing things, whether it's a guy like Jimi Hendrix on guitar or Mickey going, <laughs> so, You know, you that, that part does kind of swing. Yeah, I will say that. It does. Um, obviously, we're going to have to end this by playing Shorty Blackwell, but uh, just to wrap up, I kind of wish that the monkeys had convinced Peter to stick around for just a few more months because this album could have benefited from some of Peter's great material that he had been recording that hadn't been released at the time, like Come On In and Ladies Baby and Tear the Top Right Off My Head. And it's sad that Peter Tork did decide to to bolt at this time because he could have really stepped up and had a spot. Whereas he might have not been given that spot before, here his pathway could have been made clear. Yeah. One thing I'd like to mention is Rhino does these things called handmade sets, and there is an instant replay handmade set that will blow any Monkees fan's mind if they get this. It is definitely worth picking up. You get the original album, and altogether you get 89 tracks Wow. And out of those 89 tracks, you get a 45 that has two songs on it with alternative mixes of I Go Ape and I Privy, I Privy <laughs> Do Not Ask for Love from the 33 and a third special. Right. But you have all the stereo mixes, all the mono mixes, and then you have things like different versions and different uh, recordings 
plus there's a lot of great songs on there that could have made this album as well. So to me, I've almost made up my own version of Instant Replay. Uh, Ken, for the benefit of the audience who does not know about where they can hear the Zilch podcast, where discussions like the ones we've just had are plentiful, where mm-hmm. would they go to find that information? Well, you can go on iTunes or do a search for Zilch, a monkey's podcast, and we will appear like Genie. And uh, you can find us on Facebook as well. Just do a search for Zilch, and we will pop up. All right, Ken, thanks so much. Thank you, sir.
Hi, this is Coco Dolan, and you're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. You know, the word oldies isn't a dirty word. Not in my book, anyway. Hey, this is Ghosty. How would you like to listen to a radio show that spins top hits, lost gems, and then some? from the glorious years between 1955 and 1972. One that features interviews with the likes of Julie Newmar, John Sebastian, Al Jardine, Mickey Dolenz, Don Wells, David Cassidy, Angela Cartwright, Bill Medley, Ronnie Spector, Connie Stevens, and many more. Well, the Vintage Rockin' Pop Shop is on the air every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 89.1 WFDU-FM. That's in the uh, New York, New Jersey area. You can also listen to it live online by going to WFDU.FM. But there's an even easier way for you folks who aren't in the New York, New Jersey area and don't want to have to get up at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on a Sunday morning. You can listen to it anytime you want just by clicking the handy links over on our Facebook page. So go on to Facebook. You're probably already on Facebook. Look for the Vintage Rockin' Pop Shop. Like it, live it, love it. And thanks. Here's a song that got a lot of attention on our Monkey Spectacular. It's Davy Jones covering Paul McCartney's Man We Was Lonely. Man, we was lonely. Yes, we was lonely. And we was hard-pressed to find a smile Man, we was lonely Yes, we was lonely But now we're fine all the while I used to ride on my fast city line Singing songs that I thought were mine Alone, alone Records is proud to present Mickey Dolan's The MGM Singles Collection, available for pre-order on Amazon and Amazon UK. Mickey Dolan's The MGM Singles Collection will be released on July 13th. This initial vinyl pressing is limited to 450 copies. Get yours now. This beautiful package and a gatefold sleeve features an exclusive Mickey Dolan's interview. 
a gorgeous 12-page booklet with previously unseen Henry Dilt's pictures, and blue 180-gram vinyl. Even if you don't have a record player, this is simply stunning. Mickey Dolan's The MGM Singles Collection is a must-have for serious collectors. Available from 7A Records and Entertainment. I'm Brett Velez. My new book, A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You, The Monkeys from a Fan's Perspective, chronicles my experiences with the monkeys from the 1960s into today, along with stories by other fans and how the monkeys touched our lives. A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You, The Monkeys from a Fan's Perspective by Fred Velez, available on Amazon.com, CreateSpace.com, Smashwords.com, Apple iBooks, Barnes & Noble Nook, and other print and ebook outlets. My name is David Jones. My name is David Jones. My name is David Jones. Will the real David Jones please stand up? I am standing up. Jody Ritson joins us again. You know her best as one of the co-organizers of the Monkeys conventions. And she's been on the show uh, a number of times. You know, Jody, there's a strange phenomenon that happens when you're on the show. I hear from listeners who swear that they recognize your voice and they went to high school with you. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay. (laughs) It's a strange thing, you know, but uh, it's true. Um, We have a lot to talk about here, but first up, last weekend, Mike Nesmith was at the Chiller Convention in Parsippany, New Jersey, and he doesn't do these types of events. I mean, he doesn't do... uh, meet and greets and photo ops and that sort of thing. You were there with him. Uh, Tell us all about it. Yeah, you know, autograph shows were never his thing. Mm -hmm. And I actually, you know, he agreed to do Chiller, which gets all the celebrities from all the different walks of life. And we were really excited when he said that he would do it. We were really surprised, very excited. And so was a lot of people. Um, We had people travel from all over the world. And I knew so many of these people. I knew what this meant to them because, you know, we correspond on Facebook. Anybody that follows me on Facebook knows that I get back to them. I respond to them. I take all of their stories, their questions, everything very seriously because I know how much a lot of this means to them. And I cannot even express enough how this guy did not disappoint for a second. He was just the most humbled, the most class act I have ever had the opportunity to work with. And I've told you before, you know, I've met a lot of celebrities at this point, and I've never really been disappointed by a celebrity, Mm -hmm. but I've been very surprised by celebrities. And this guy... He took his time with everybody. He listened to their stories. He was just so amazing. So we go upstairs because he had a break. He was going to get ready to take um, some professional photo ops um, upstairs on the third floor. And so we're getting ready, and we're, we're in his room, and he's kind of like chilling out. And he's telling me a funny story um, as he's combing his hair. And I said to him, Okay, here's the first question I have. Because, see, my husband told me I'm not, like, allowed to act like a fan, you know, even though that's, like, <laughs> what I'm dying to do. He's like, Jody, you got to grow up. I said to him, 
you didn't do this for almost 50 years. I said, but I'm watching you. And yes, I can't understand how somebody could go from being so out of touch with everybody and to have the personality, the patience, and the and just everything that you are giving to these people. Like, you know, that's a seasoned person who knows how to sit there, who knows how long to listen. This guy sat there, I kid you not, you know, oh, it's so nice to meet you. Thank you for coming. Where would you like me to sign it? What angle would you like me to sign it on? What color pen would you like to choose from? <laughs> this color pen might look better. I, this was every single person. It was incredible. And to the point where he had to be told to speed it up because he was spending that much time with everybody. <laughs> so I said, why now? And so his response to me was, you know what, Jody, when I was at the monkeys convention, I saw something. He said, you got to understand, I don't collect anything. I don't collect anything. I'm not a collector. So when people would approach me about autographs or, or any of this stuff, it didn't resonate with me. He said, I went to the convention and I saw something. You got to look in people's eyes. You got to make eye contact with them. He said, and when you make eye contact with them and you see how important this meeting is for them, if this could make people happy, okay, you know, it, it, then, right. then I understand. He didn't understand the collecting part and still does not but he understands when something means something to somebody else on such a level. And all I kept thinking from that moment, from Friday night, I kept thinking, I have to collect these memories because I have to share these with everybody that follows me on Facebook because I want them to see the person that I see. And the person that I see is not the person that so many people have tried to describe or at least he's not now, you know, very difficult, very, you know, very self-centered, you know, doesn't want to be a part of the monkeys. Everybody does things for different reasons. And so I sent Nez an email on Monday, at, you know, telling him what I, what I, I get all choked up, what I realized this week by this weekend by being with him for a couple of days is that. I think for me, I'm never personally going to be very wealthy. But what I think I've learned from the monkeys fans is that if I'm wealthy in heart instead of pocket, I think that's really all I need. And perhaps that's why I keep going the extra mile and spending the time with the people. Because to me, there is so much more that I'm getting out of seeing these people happy and excited. I mean, this guy was so amazing. I just only hope that I have the opportunity to work with him again because this was not work. This was every person that came and met him just left just shocked and surprised. And just he made everybody's dream come true. It was really beautiful to see. Well, it sounds like a, an incredible weekend, and it sort of dovetails into uh, our next little topic here. Uh, I know that uh, Mike Nesmith is not uh, doing any touring at all, solo, monkeys, nothing this year. Um, okay, but I know and that... I want to, let me establish, sure. I'm going to tell you exactly why that is. What happened was, Nez wanted, this is some inside information, Nez did not want 
to just go. He, he felt that the monkeys should take a break and save up for the 50th. Um, you know, take the year off right. because people need to save money. People need to travel, you know, the excitement and retool the entire show. He did not feel that right now to go to the same venues, the same areas, the same show, he felt that it needed to be special and it needed to wait. He's writing a book right now. So he just, you know, he just felt that it should wait, not because he's fighting with anybody. I mean, I read all sorts of stuff on Facebook and I try to keep kind of, you know, out of out of the political stuff. But people really do not know what they're talking about. Um, it's only because they were just like at certain venues. So to go revisit them, you know, a year later, he felt it needed to be redone, retooled, and something special for the 50th. Now, whether he's doing the 50th or not, I didn't ask him any questions about that kind of stuff. Um, but that was why he decided to sit out, not that he will never do it again. Right. And I know that Mickey and Peter are touring and doing little shows here and there. They're not doing a full-scale tour, but uh, they do have a show in August at Westbury, and you're organizing something uh, for that, too, aren't you? Yeah, what I'm doing is when I found out that they were going to be in Westbury, um, as the dates keep coming up, I do these bus trips. Um, I do the bus trips for a couple of reasons. First of all, we leave out of Meadowlands, um, Hilton parking lot. And that's just because that's where the convention is. And I just feel very comfortable there. I feel like everybody knows how to get there at this point. So we have a couple of, um, bus trips that are coming up three in July. Mickey is doing, um, a show in New York at 54 Below. Right. It's called A Little Bit Broadway, A Little Bit Rock and Roll. And it's a cabaret show. It's only about 150 people in the audience. And the show itself is um, going to mix some of the Broadway tunes that he's done before, some that he's never done before, certainly not for the Monkees crowd, and then some of the Monkees um, songs as well. And that's July 7th, July 10th, July 11th. And I have a bus that's going to and from. And anybody that books through monkeysconvention2016.com, they get to meet Mickey and get a free autograph. And they are part of a group picture that is just our traditional thing that we do at this point. And then August 29th um, in Westbury, we're doing the same thing. We're going to leave from the uh, from the Meadowlands, uh, from the Hilton there, and we're going to travel to Westbury together. Those tickets are also available. The only difference is, as of right now, there's no meet and greet that is scheduled. Um, believe me, I'm working on it, but right <laughs> now there's nothing that's scheduled. Um, but I only have 28 seats on the buses, and we all meet, we all have fun, and so all of that's available on monkeysconvention2016.com. And then if that's not enough for you... Here comes the boat. <laughs> the love I boat. I, yeah. I, have, I have to actually get my new flyers out. Um, we have a um, the convention, not really convention, but my, my, my friends that I've met through the convention... We are going on a flower power cruise February 29th to March 5th. And 
That is of 2016. Now, this ship is leaving from Fort Lauderdale, and Mickey is hosting the whole cruise for five days. We're going to Cosmo, Mexico, and we're going to Key West. It's a celebrity cruise line. For the entire week, we're hanging out with Mickey. We're hanging out with Felix Cavalieri, with the Rascals, mm-hmm. with uh, Peter Noon from Herman's Hermits, the Guess Who, the Grassroots, Jefferson Starship, Mark Lindsay, Gary Puckett, Flo and Eddie from the Turtles. Abbey Road on the River is um, a like a group that does Beatles-type yes. stuff. Blood, Sweat, and Tears with my favorite American Idol, Bo Bice, is their lead singer. Mm-hmm. And... Cersei Link and Christian Nesmith, who have done our monkeys conventions, and I'm so excited because they are going to um, be on the cruise, and so many more people are being added, um, but all the information is on the website, and we already have um, close to half the ship, monkeys fans. I mean, they're coming out in droves. We They just gave everybody a discount on the cruise because so many people from the Monkeys Convention have agreed to go on the cruise. So they went and backtracked and gave everybody discounts. And um, anybody coming on, it's actually less money than it was um, because we took over, as <laughs> we usually do. <laughs> so once again, that website is monkeysconvention2016.com. Jody Ritson has been our guest, and for all of you listening in Queens and the Bronx and in northern New Jersey and parts unknown, Jody would have had to have gone to every high school in the tri-state area, so she did not go to high school with you. Oh, you did not. I know that I have a little bit of a mixed accent, but I'm actually, (laughs) I'm from Philadelphia, and I went to school in Philadelphia. I married my high school sweetheart. So, no, I, but, but a lot of people I know are from New York, so that's why a lot of people tend to think my accent is kind of all over the place. I, see, but, I th- um, yeah, I think that every high school had a monkey girl, and I think that's <laughs> what it is. I think that it's got to be the girl in my high school that was into I'm the, the Marsha Brady. You are. <laughs> <laughs> she was the one that started it, you that's know? That's right. I mean, you know, the only difference is that I had to take my husband, well, he's not my husband, but I took him to the prom instead of Davey. <laughs> right. But, you know, if I had the opportunity, I'll tell you what. You would have kicked the husband to the curb, right. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jody, and you have a great rest of your day. You too. <laughs> All right, bye-bye. Hi, Zilch fans. This is Melanie Mitchell. Be sure to check out my book, Monkey Magic, a book about a TV show about a band. It's a lighthearted review and companion for the TV show that made the 60s fun. The paperback is available online from Amazon or Barnes & Noble, and the ebook can be bought anywhere that fine ebooks are sold. Check out the Monkey Magic Facebook page, follow me on Tumblr at bluemoonalto.tumblr.com, and listen for my contributions here on Zilch, a monkey's podcast. I wonder if the general public knows that TV shows like ours never die, that they just go on and on, even though they're not being broadcast. Well, as an extra added bonus on this episode, we're going to play the interview I had with Mickey Dolans back on our very first Monkeys Spectacular in 2014. At the time, we were talking about the Monkeys tour with Mickey, Peter, and Mike. I'm speaking with former WCBS-FM Morning Man. Yes, sir. Mickey Dolans. Yeah. How was that experience for you? Unbelievable. 
It was wonderful. It was one of the toughest jobs I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I mean, I'd done a little bit before guest, you know, guest things and stuff like that, and always loved the medium, always loved uh, radio. In fact, when I was a little kid, uh, like 12, 13 years old, I was into in electronics, and I built one of those little FM radios sure. from a Heath kit or something, and I set it up in my garage, I remember, and and with a, with a record player and held a microphone up to the speaker of the, the record player, and I would transmit a show to my mom in the kitchen. <laughs> Weather in the driveway today. <laughs> um, no, I, I absolutely uh, I love to end, but boy, I'll tell you, doing it for real, and especially the morning shift, you know, as, as I'm sure you know, yeah, um, it was one of the toughest things. Uh, the toughest jobs I ever have, and, ga- and gave me an, an, a wonderful, even greater respect for what what you guys do. You know, the thing that I found the most interesting was that, you know, being an actor and a singer, a musician, and all that, and stuff. When you when you're doing a show uh, uh, on stage or TV, you have at your disposal, of course, all of your senses. You can use the sense of sight and the sense of sound and the sense of you know, playing and touch and and all of it. You know, it, it, but when you're doing radio, it's only one. <laughs> it is just your voice, and it's like whoa! You have to express, you know, everything through that that one medium, which uh, is uh, is very difficult. And then, of course, there was the whole thing about getting up at you know, oh yeah, yeah. at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> right. which, but I had a great time. It was a real highlight of uh, of my career. You know, with uh, so many hit monkey songs and album cuts that hardcore monkeys fans probably want to hear in concert and rarities that have seen the light of day over the years, how do you put together a, a set list for a monkey show? It's it's interesting you should say that because it, it can be tricky. Davy Jones was great at doing a set list. He was a master at it. Um, the general principle that we, you know, we've used is that um, we, you know, we we all sort of, on uh, mass, believe that you have this unspoken contract with an audience, and that the vast majority of the people that are there, uh, they're there. They want to hear those big hits. Whether you do them at the beginning, in the middle, at the end, you know, whatever doesn't really matter a whole lot. But they want to hear those hits, and so. Uh, because we had, you know, quite a few, you know, a good portion of the show is just doing the hits. And over the years, we also have sort of agreed that uh, we're not going to do medleys. We're not going to say, well, here's a medley, a 30-second medley of our hits. Right. Sometimes we'll truncate uh, a song, maybe if uh, an album cut that's well-known, but maybe was, you know, five, six minutes long or something. We may truncate. Uh, a little bit, but but not medleys and stuff. So that alone takes up a good you know a good portion of the show just doing those hits. Yeah. And then over the years, you know, to to for the rest of the show, it's a little bit of a beggar's banquet. You know, it's what do we want to do this year? What do we, you know, hey, how about this song that it has been requested? And in in this newest incarnation with Nesmith, it's been wonderful going back and revisiting some of his wonderful songs with him singing them. Yeah. That has been a great thrill for me, especially, because I sang those 
high harmonies on some of his early monkey stuff, and it's that's been wonderful. Um, and album cuts, like we went back. Have you seen the show recently? I haven't, but I'm going yeah. on the 24th. Well, we went back, and this last sort of couple of uh, tours has been a little bit of a chronological trip through time. We're starting with early monkey stuff and then going on to the stuff with, uh, that we did on headquarters when we started con- getting a little more control over what we did. Right. Uh, doing headquarters and then doing the, uh, and then every song we did from the movie Head. All those beautiful uh, Carol King uh, and Peter Tork songs and Nesmith songs from that movie Head, and like I say, of course, uh, you know the big uh, the big hits. You know, uh, you mentioned those high harmonies, and uh, I-, I love that sound of of you and Mike harmonizing. Yeah, that like, Everly Brothers kind of thing. You know, Mickey, you have one of the finest and most distinctive voices in all of pop music, and it's held up really well. I mean, I'm talking to you now, and you sound like you're 20 years old. I am. There's a portrait in my attic getting older. (laughs) But when you when you sing some of these these high harmonies, I mean, do you ever think to yourself, why did I go for that big note 45 years ago? You know, I'm still going to have to hit it. Well, touch wood. I mean, I still have all the notes. I do all my songs, uh, even in my solo show. I do all the songs in the original key, but I do have a very high range. I don't have much of a range, but it is <laughs> it is up there, and I've taken taken care of my voice. You know, I, when I started doing a lot of musical theater on Broadway and and stuff, I, I started training uh, a little more conscientiously, and because um, I had to, right? Uh, started uh, doing some training and stuff, and and uh, you know, it's it, you got to be careful. You have to. St- warm up and stretch and like uh it's a, you know it's a muscle your vocal cords are muscles and you have to you have to take care of them you know i want to talk uh just for a moment about the song uh, randy scouse git mm-hmm. now if i were in england i'd probably be thrown off the air you know for, not for now saying that. but not you now. would have back <laughs> back then you would have yeah uh and, and I, as I understand it, and it's it's a famous story, but some people probably haven't heard it. That song was inspired by your trip to England and meeting the Beatles. Yes, um, um, yeah, amongst a lot of other things too. I mean, it, but it was definitely my trip to, to the UK and the Beatles throwing us a party, and meeting my first wife there, and the whole uh, hippie thing with birds on the sidewalk, meeting girls, and right. yeah, it was my little. Uh, you know what what's that stream of consciousness sort of yeah. uh, so, uh, sort of song uh, about uh you know the swinging 60s in in London yeah it's a very unusual arrangement for that song as well yeah i don't know where that came from <laughs> you know who knows <laughs> i just was sitting there noodling on the guitar in the hotel room after a party and and uh it it, it just came out you know that's kind of the way that's kind of the way i write i i've always been that sort of a writer. I've never been able to sit down, um, you know, at 10 o'clock in the morning uh, at a piano or with my guitar and and say, okay, I'm going to write for a couple of hours. I've never been able to do that and kind of wish I I could, but it's just not me. And, uh, you know, something uh, inspires me, whatever it may be, and uh, and I'll write a tune. Obviously, the Beatles got the monkeys. You know, they understood it. And, mm-hmm. you know, Frank Zappa was a big fan. He was on the show, you know. Mm-hmm. And when you're mingling with all these, uh, well, musical peers, 
at any point did the music aspect of the monkeys in your mind take precedence over the tv show or or was it always on the same level well it's it's really impossible to sort of uh you know reduce it out like in any scientific sense uh, I can only speak for myself, of course, not for Mike or Peter or David. Um, I was an actor, singer, uh, musician. Right. But I'd had a TV series when I was a kid. I went to the, uh, you know, to the first uh, interview and read from a script. And so I always approached it, and I still do to this day, as a, you know, I, I'm, I was creating a role. I mean, I was creating the... A character, this wacky drummer in this uh, rock and roll band uh, on television. This, the, you know, because the Monkees essentially was a a television show about a band that that didn't really exist in in, in that in a in the kind of classic sense of a of a band. You know, we didn't meet each other in junior high school, and <laughs> right. You know, it, it was a very different kettle of fish, much like really Glee you know, or fame or something right. like that, or, or a Broadway musical, you know, the, the a Marx Brothers musical, which actually one of the Beatles, John Lennon, is the first one to say that, you know, the monkeys are like the Marx Brothers. <laughs> and he was absolutely right. That was much closer. The monkeys were much closer to the Marx Brothers than the, than the Beatles. So to me, it was all part of the same project. I would film the television show for eight to ten hours a day, and then they would say, okay, you're going to go in the studio. Um, uh, uh, three lead lead vocals. <laughs> right. Well, you went from that crazy schedule, and then later on, you're doing morning radio. You're a glutton for punishment. I, <laughs> I have one last uh, thing I want to ask you here uh-huh. before I let you go, and it's about something you're doing now that isn't music related, and mm-hmm. that's Dolan's and Daughters Furniture, which I I thought was pretty. <laughs> it's it's not like a, a rock star vanity. Well, I guess you could build a vanity if somebody somebody wanted you to build one. <laughs> But you well, haven't lent wonderful. your name. It's you know, one it's... of the most wonderful things that I've been doing. In fact, I'm sitting here right now with my daughter, Georgia, who is the daughter of Dolan's and Daughters Fine Furniture. We're actually out in the shop today uh, working on a number of orders that we got. It's just uh, I've always done that all my life. I've always had a workshop. It's not nothing I've, I've promoted or, or anything. It's been sort of my my getaway, and I've always had a machine shop and a wood woodworking shop all my life. It, it just kind of gets me away from everything else, you know, kind of get, get my feet back on the ground. And um, my daughter, Georgia, uh, went to university in um, uh, England and took a theater degree, and part of that is learning to use tools and build sets, and so she's very handy and very good at design and stuff like that. And we were building a coffee table for her boyfriend, actually, and I joked and said, we should start a company, Dolan's and Daughters Fine Furniture, and she ran with it, started a website, did the Facebook page, the PayPal, the whole thing, and all of a sudden, we had like 20, 30 orders for this stuff, and we were going crazy trying to to make it all, and, and one day, she had to uh, put on the website, oh, sorry, we can't take any more orders, because Daddy's going on tour. <laughs> and indeed, uh, she just had to do that a couple of days ago. We had to uh, uh, only put up a waiting list because uh, I'm leaving on tour. <laughs> you know, and and uh, I was looking at the website, and I'm looking at the picture, and I'm like, oh, the old man's doing all the work there on the on the front page. Of oh that. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, no, she, she's uh, 
Yeah, that's a cute picture. Um, she does a lot of the design. She does a lot of the finishing work. She she does an awful lot of it. I'm kind of the the, the slave. I do the heavy <laughs> lifting and use the the big heavy duty power tools because I don't like her getting too close to them sure. sometimes. Hey, Mickey, I want to thank you so much. Thank you, sir. For chatting with us, and uh, I want to remind everybody to go see the monkeys at the NJ Pack in Newark, New Jersey, May 24th, 8 p.m. That's a Saturday night. Mickey will be there doing those high harmonies on those great monkeys songs and singing lead, of course. And, uh, Mickey, you have a great rest of your day. Thank you, sir. Now, that interview with Mickey Dolans that we just listened to was from 2014, from our very first Monkey Spectacular on the Vintage Rock and Pop Shop. And now, in 2015, Peter and Mickey are barnstorming the country as the Monkeys, or, if you will, the Tukies. I wonder how people in Canada feel about that name. But anyway, yes, they're touring the country with dates being added all the time. And the guys even have a YouTube channel you might want to check out called Mickey Peter. And you can see some uh, cool videos on there. And here's one of them, or at least the audio from one. As heard and seen on YouTube, it's The Monkees with Mary Mary, live 2015.
This is Rich Dart, the drummer for the Monkees touring band, and you are listening to Zilch, the Monkees podcast. And that will do it. That was part two of Ghosty's Monkees Spectacular for 2015. Thanks for listening. Make sure to check out Zilch on Facebook. Also check out my radio show, The Vintage Rock and Pop Shop, over on Facebook. And the Zilch crew will return in the next episode. So on behalf of myself and the Zilch crew, take some time to monkey around. And by the way, do it on the day we fall in love. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Burke. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around.